I, I wanted to take a moment and start to address um, some of the, the, the climate in the country right now around uh, race inequality and, um, you know, understanding full well that we're a couple of white guys talking about issues that historically we don't feel comfortable talking about. But I do think it's important that um, that we highlight the importance of diversity. And I think it's important that we, we go through it because we're in an industry that's generally um, not considered a, a diverse industry in any way, shape or form. And you can look at diversity from every angle, from every lens, uh, from uh, people of different ethnicities to people of different genders to to people of different ages. Um, and um, it's it's an important topic and I think it doesn't get enough um, enough credit for the value that it brings to our industry. Um, but in this time where um, people feel it's necessary to stand up and, and remind the country that we are a country of equals, I think it's important that um, we highlight that, that, that we, we support that, that, that um, there's no room in our country in this day and age for uh, anyone to be marginalized for reasons they can't can't um, can't impact and that be it the year they were born the, the the gender that they identify with the 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 color of their skin that that you know really what we're talking about is um, you know some minor genetic differences when it comes to the color of your skin and then just the diversity of your experience. Never discount the value that every single person brings forward in this lifetime. And um, it's high time that we move past some of these issues that, uh, in my opinion, we should have moved past a long time ago. Hey friends, thanks for joining us. He's Tim Johnson. I'm Chris Ruddick. This is For Love of Code, bringing you current events, opinionated commentary, and a little bit of witty banter around all things software. These episodes are powered by Prime3 Software, where Tim and I write uh, super awesome software day in and day out. How you doing, Tim? Doing good, man. Went fishing last week or earlier this week, so... Just I the my neighbor brought the food over yesterday and I ate uh, I don't know most of it. <laughs> your, your harvest? Yeah, the 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 kids caught it all and and I ate it all. So yeah, we'll have a uh, we'll have a fish fry at my my uh, in laws' house once or twice a year and um, I'll, I'll catch the fish and clean them and then fry up um, fry up fish nuggets and then eat so much that. By 3 a.m., I'm looking for Tums in a bad, bad way. And the whole next <laughs> day is, is misery, pain do, and misery. But do the, boy, kid, do the kids eat food. it? Oh, yeah, they love it. Yeah, yeah. I, my kids, my kid, I can't get them to eat it. They'll catch it nonstop, but as soon as it's like, you got to eat it, they're like, ew. Uh, no, I've even got them helping me clean the fish now. So that's, that's, um, we've gotten over all the oogies. So that's been been good yeah it might be different if i if i actually you know caught fish my neighbor talked us into it so i'm that's not something my my dad passed down to me unfortunately i i I feel less adequate as a as a father when it's like hey dad you could catch your own food i'm like yeah Mm -hmm. or you could just go to drive to take out and um you know, I can do that. I can do that really good. So yeah, I mean, not smelling like fish guts for two days is is also a benefit of you know going down to uh, the local fish fry and getting it yourself. Yeah, well, my neighbor actually, you know, uh, skinned them and cleaned them while we were there on the dock, and the girls wow. watched watched that, and you know, the little ones going ew. 
but stayed and watched the whole time. So it's like, it can't be that gross if you spent 30 minutes watching the guy do it. Biology so. class when, you know, schools, you're homeschooling now. So yes. it's biology. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so I had a, um, a thought. I'd like to see a world where I can access my power company's API and get all the real-time statistics for my power usage. That takes us back to you and I's first I know. Bus- business idea. I know. <laughs> that, was, that was 10 years ago, and it, we've still not made any progress on this front. Well, I remember when we, when we first started venturing into that kind of stuff, um, Google had produced um, boxes that you could have access to um, for that effort. And I honestly don't know what happened to that. Um, you know, that, that predated a little bit of before Google fiber, you know, that project existed. Um, for those who, who aren't aware Google still has, I guess, existing installs where they, they, um, provided, uh, fiber, fiber optic to an entire city or something, but you had to meet all these uh, benchmarks and hurdles from a city planning perspective and stuff in order for them to come in and, and do it. So I think Austin was one of like the last cities that they did it for, but you know, them doing that really, I think pushed like Verizon Fios and a few of those others that are doing now they're doing fiber pushed it, pushed that needle because what they were able to demonstrate was, you know, they could do gigabit ethernet for something reasonably cheap where, you know, prior to that, the cable companies were cost, it would cost thousands of dollars at, for one tenth the speed. Well, um, a friend of mine, uh, he, he says one of the reasons that the U.S. lags behind in communication is because we're bound to our sunk cost in all that fiber, all, not even fiber, all that cable copper yeah. that, that is strung from pole to pole all around this country. I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of it it's that or how much of it's more. Um, you know, some, some, in some ways political. So when I lived in North Carolina, um, they weren't able to get Verizon Fios because Verizon was, uh, not a supporter or something of whatever political group was in, in charge or wasn't lobbying the right people. And they're like, Verizon's never coming to to North Carolina. And it was a political thing. That Um, is stupid. I don't know if, I don't know if that sense changed, you know, I haven't been there and in five years, but I know I was waiting for it. I, all my friends had it and everything else. I'm like, I need that please. But I I see. And we talked about this a while back about regulating internet connectivity as, uh, as a utility, like making it available as, I don't want to say a universal right, but you know, I feel like any, (laughs) any rural community that isn't off of a, um, an interstate effectively is, and then not part of a, a large municipality is not ever going to get the chance to get high speed internet access. Now, maybe like, maybe Musk will solve that with his Starlink. <laughs> I was just going to say that <laughs> big shiny satellites up there that I think he just pushed 60 of them up like two days ago. Uh, it was last um, night. Was it? Okay. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe he changes the game, but it's, I, I just believe in this day and age, it's bullcrap that people can't get equal access to information. I don't really have too much to say because it's like I, I, I think all that stuff should be available to everybody. Um, you and- know who I heard has uh, really, really good internet? Green Bay, Wisconsin. Hmm. I wonder you why. Guess it. They laid fiber on along the railroad tracks. They used the right of ways that already oh, nice. existed and laid fiber along the railroad tracks to the point where, and I read an article. This was years ago, so you know, I might be out of date now. But apparently, they were becoming a tech hub, and Green Bay, Wisconsin, was starting to lure tech talent to to the town to, because of the the amazing connectivity that they have. That's yeah, that, that wouldn't be surprising. I mean, it is a, it is a big reason to be somewhere near one of those, one of those things. Um, it wouldn't surprise me anywhere near Amazon. If you know, Amazon's probably not running their 
running their own networks. You know, one thing I remember when Google was doing their Google Fiber several years prior to that, there was a lot of speculation because um, Google was buying up what they called dark fiber, which was lines that were already run but didn't have connectivity. Okay. So Google was buying up a lot of that, and they're like, ooh, what's Google doing, blah, blah, blah. Out came Google Fiber, so it became, oh, that's what they're doing. So I wonder I wonder if any of that stuff was still available when Amazon was building out their infrastructure. Well, right over here in Virginia Beach, they um... – they they brought ashore i believe it's three um intercontinental cables um and i believe they were are privately owned by your your favorite social network companies but um there was all sorts of speculation about what that could mean to to the greater virginia beach area um uh, spoiler alert i haven't heard anything more about it so i don't think <laughs> i don't think it's the boon that we thought it was but um uh, I had read years ago that uh, it was some Scandinavian country, maybe Norway. Um, uh, it was state subsidized. So the state, the country itself took it upon themselves to install fiber across the country. And then they would lease out bandwidth across, um, across that network to um, third-party service providers who would then resell to directly to the consumer. And um, so any company was eligible to use this really, really powerful infrastructure. And then um, they, they effectively, you know, created an, an entire cottage industry around providing software. So now are providing connectivity. And um, so now you had built-in price competition and uh you know it it um it did a, a a whole lot for bringing industry into the country it did a lot for the residents to you know be connected uh to the point where you know they were considered one of the very first connected societies yeah I, um i was just trying to do a good quick search to see where the u.s ranks in in a internet speed um because I, for some reason, I remember we were woefully. I was going to say, I bet you it's not top 10. Um, well, according to this article, we're eighth. Uh, produced March 23rd. According to speedtest.net, Americans are currently getting around 135 megabits per second down and 52 megabits up. Um, I don't know what the, what the other ones are. Let's. Do, 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 do. It says, why are they behind? Like Hong Kong gets 170. Uh, Singapore, let's see. Wow, Singapore is 278. Wow. That's well, I mean, nuts. And that's probably across mobile networks. Because, I mean, Korea, they, their phones are a multiple, one or more generations ahead of the mobile phones that are produced or that are released here in the States. Um, well, they're saying a that, lot of a lot of this has to do more with uh, the rural uh, stuff, which what you were just talking about. Yeah. So, but yeah, must, I mean, must solution will fix that. When yeah, you, I hope you so. won't be able to see the stars, but I mean, satellite internet right now is abysmal, and uh, if you want to upload, just I mean, it's if you got some shady stuff to say, it's great because you really got to. <laughs> you, you really big i gotta be committed to to the to the crap you want to push up to the internet because it's it's pretty slow but yeah. um but in for for the rest of the populace uh you know they're they're pretty out of luck um i don't know i don't i haven't seen any initial numbers on what what that what that constellation is going to provide but they're certainly um making a, a genuine effort at it but you know, when we're out fishing at at at, at the in-laws' place, I mean, they the best they can do is a cellular hotspot at 3G, if the weather is good and it's pointing in the westerly direction. I mean, that's that's pretty poor. Hmm. I just want uh, to live in a world where I have more access to data, and it's not so hard to get to data. And and that's just me as a consumer. Now, from a business perspective. As I said before, we dabble in in APIs. That's that's our that's our that we trade in APIs. That's our business. Um, 
for me to get access to APIs, it's it's I, I I'm I'm signing over like one of my children. It's it's absurd. Like I've for one, I'm trying to get access to just to evaluate, just to determine if this is something that I might potentially want to be a customer of. It took nine days, nine days and a nine page contract for me to get a 15 day evaluation license just to determine if, hey, maybe that's something. If, if it took me nine days and a 15 page contract to test drive a car, I'd be walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like that they they don't want to they don't want that that kind of business, or they're trying to they're trying to slow that form of business down. But I mean, the important question is the kid you signed away. I mean, was that your favorite one or your least favorite one? <laughs> well, I wanted both, but they wouldn't they wouldn't take two. <laughs> you extend it. You got to say so. You get fifteen days, and then yeah. fifteen days you get the other one. I'd like thirty days, please. Yeah. <laughs> Where can I drop them off? There you go. Well, I mean, from like from my perspective, as you're talking, it's like, okay, well, how do well, one is the argument more I want instant access or that I have access because, um, I'm sure they, I'm sure there's something in the fine print that you can like mail away for it with a prepaid postage envelope in triplicate or some bullcrap legalese about that. But in reality, we are never going to be less connected from this point forward. Businesses, it would behoove businesses to do everything you can to enable connectivity to your business. And if it's direct to the consumer, if it's to other businesses, in this moment, we will look back at this moment and say, man, those were the stone ages because everything will continue to become more and more connected. It's just like when they started putting, um, internet enabling everything, your, your toaster and your, and your, your TV and your refrigerator can talk to each other and you say, Hey, Alexa, uh, make me toast and turn the TV on. And, uh, do I have any milk? You know, that, and that was the, the grand scheme of things. It's the same thing with businesses, you're going to be surprised how um, we're, we're in in 10, 15, 20 years, um, we will look back and say, my gosh, I can't believe we used to do it that way. I don't think my outlook of things, knowing knowing how still we are still on mainframes and we are still, you know, like we talked about earlier, we're, we're still, we're, yeah, exactly. We're right. still struggling with, you know, general in, internet connectivity to rural areas. Um, I, I, I don't see it being 10 years, 20 years, even 50 years, you know, and you, you got to think about in 50 years, if Elon Musk has his way, we'll be on Mars, but I still don't think, you know, we'll be, um, you know, we'll have this concept of, of available, you know, data, like understanding you as a digital, as a digital person. Um, cause I mean, you would need some type of infrastructure to manage you as a unique snowflake on, 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 on the globe and some way to kind of register all that information that way. And then also protect it. <laughs> that would be the key is getting that protection, uh, to that, to that source. Um, no, and I don't, I don't think, I think, uh, the network will, will continue to be distributed and there will be, um, these clearing houses that will probably be maintained by your major data players like your Googles and your Amazons and um, who will, will, and even like your, um, your credit reporting agencies. I mean, you'd be shocked at the amount of information they already have about you. Um, but in general, um, I think, I think uh, businesses should, um, do everything they can to facilitate the easier uh, communication between their their consumers and other businesses uh, in in ways that aren't. I mean, we we went through this in the the '90s and the 2000s where everybody had to have a web page, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, could you imagine? I don't I don't even do 
look to do business with a company now that doesn't have a website that looks like it was, you know, touched in the past year or two. Um, and then everybody had to have an app. And then they realized that, no, not everybody has to have an app. Like, I don't need an app for Applebee's so I know what's on the menu. Like, I can just look that up on the webpage. But for a time, the, there was a belief that, you know, you had to have an app to, to, to legitimize your business. I think we are quickly coming upon the age where you have to have an API um, to be considered a legitimate business in this day and age. And um, I think it forward thinking businesses are already there and businesses who are feeling the crunch, especially in these times to become more efficient and become more agile and to focus on um, focus internally on doing business better. It would behoove them to get their APIs online as soon as they possibly can. And, um, and if the, the response is, well, nobody's asking for that. I beg to differ wholeheartedly. I mean, look at me, I'm just some schmo, but I would love to have an API to, to get my, my power usage data. Now, I, have I called the power company and asked for it? No. Have I really truly pursued it? Not really, but it's something that I would like to have access to. And I'm probably not the only one who's ever thought of that. Yeah, I wonder how many kids you have to give away to get that access. Knowing the power company, probably more than I have. I'll have to get some of the neighbors' kids. Yeah, I did. it's from a from an API perspective. I mean, I agree. It would be great if they had that, and I and I do think that that's coming. I, I just, you know, being able to put a timeline on, I don't, I don't know that ten years is even realistic because, I mean, you still got you still have the old guard you know, still in play. And, you know, I, I know we've dealt with some of these, what I'll call legacy companies that have been around for a hundred years. And, you know, they, they still have a hard time even putting it at the, at a, at a, as a necessary uh, commodity or necessary uh, tool in their, in their workforce. Well, I that, mean, I'll, I'll, I will give you an example. I, uh, you know, you and I deal in the supply chain industry. I was at a supply chain conference three years ago and the topic of conversation was disruption. So disruption to, to the industry and to you and I, disruption means something totally different, uh, to them disruption meant, Oh no, what if there's a hurricane and the ship can't come in? That to them is a is, is a disruption. Sure, it makes sense. To you and I, a disruption is a game changing, uh, um, you know, piece of technology or business that comes along and totally upends how business gets done. The um, iPhone. Sure. Uh, the Uberfication. Uh, Uberfication became the uh, what is that adjective? Became the adjective for for everything. Oh man, they they. It's like Uber for pizza, you know, it, it, the, I mean, Uber changed the game for, for getting a ride somewhere. Um, so yeah. So, so at that industry conference three years ago, it was, um, disruption meant a totally different thing. One year later, they had an expert come in who, uh, was talking about, um, uh, you know, a collaboration and doing more business um, within within your supply chain. And he went in depth into web APIs. And I think for some people in in the audience, they that was the first time that they had heard that term. But it only took a year to go from disruption, meaning one thing to disruption, meaning a completely different thing. And it completely changed the complexion of of the uh of the conference uh to the point where in the hall you know after that session that was all everybody was talking you knew anything about those apis i'm saying yeah yeah i do here's my business card let's, let's talk about it so um you know it it doesn't take long but you just gotta you know you you've got to be key to it you got to be savvy and you got to really think um you know proactively Hey man, a lot of people are talking about this. It seems like it might be a big deal. It might be worth some more investigation. You know, it might be something I want to look into. And 
you know, you and I do that at a personal level as well. You know, we'll, we'll see a, a something come through the newsfeed and it's like, I don't know anything about that. I, what's that all about? And, you know, read an article about it, educate myself. And then it's like, Hey, maybe that's something that, um, that we need to be looking into. Blockchain. <laughs> Blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to think yeah. of all the buzzwords. Yeah. I was going to say AI machine learning. Yeah. That's, that's what's hot right now. Yeah. Drones I'd be kind of curious. I, I'm kind of curious. was like four years ago. Drones was like three years ago. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious if, uh, you know, to, to, to take your speculation out, which one will be more prevalent in 10 years, blockchain or um, APIs? Um, the topic that we wanted to cover today, which is all about the interview. So you are a, a budding or even an experienced software uh, professional. You will go through an interview at some given point in your in your career. It's, it's highly likely. And, um, you know, Tim and I wanted to cover from our perspective, both having been through plenty of interviews and um, also sitting on the other side of the table, having conducted plenty of interviews, um, what we expect to see and, you know, maybe some tips and tricks to, uh, to, to better your performance and, you know, get that job that you want. Well, the first key is start your own business so you don't have to, to interview at all. Yeah, so. that's uh, then it's called sales. So yeah, yes. there you go. Yeah. Well, that's an interview. That's an interview of a different type. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> um, what is the worst interview you've ever been on? So I went on an interview, and I'm expecting some of the stuff we're probably going to talk about here shortly. Um, is you know I'm a software developer. I'm expecting software development ish questions. Also expecting some some of these silly ones, you know, like, Hey, how do you feel about the color blue? Um, you know, they're not that silly, but they're definitely not have no bearing on my competency as a developer. Um, more about maybe personality questions or something like that. And so I go sit down with somebody and they quickly go, Hey, so, um, the technical guys that you're going to want to talk to aren't here. And I'm like, okay, do we need to reschedule? Oh no, we'll still do the interview. And I'm like, oh, okay. How was, sure. Ask me questions. And they asked me as, you know, the, what, what are amount to be like the standard, like personality. What is. Yeah. No, I mean, the girl that was interviewing me kind of knew some of her stuff. Um, but I mean, it was really she could have been interviewing somebody in sales. She could have been interviewing somebody in marketing or somebody that, you know, answered the phones. These were just as general questions as you could get, you know, tell me about your recent uh, job history. Um, you know, tell me about a hard problem you had to solve in, you know, and how'd you solve it? Um, you know, chat, what's the most challenging thing you've had to do professionally, you know, all these basic canned questions, and I spent, I think, 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes um, doing that. And she's like, okay, thanks. We'll let you know. And um, I, I got the interview through a, through a third-party recruiter. And I called the guy. I, I want to say I was still in the parking lot. And I'm like, this place is, you know, I, I've never felt so disrespected. Like, hey, I'm taking time. I mean, I was currently employed. I took the time to come all the way down there, you know, you know, dressed in a suit and everything else, you know, and they didn't even have the time for me. So I'm like, I, you just wasted a, two hours of my life. Like you could have just rescheduled or just not done it. Like, I, I don't know. So that's, that's probably the worst one I've ever been on. I, I mean, I can't think of any, any times where I've been asked tough questions that I, that I wasn't already ready to answer. Um, um, you know, everything else. I mean, I've had interviews where I didn't get the job and the feedback feedback came, came back as, you know, technically they can do the job, but, um, but they, uh, they need to be a little more assertive or something like that. And I'm like, uh, wait, I, so I can do the job, but you're not going to let me do the, like, that was a weird, that was the weirdest feedback I've ever gotten. But I mean, I was thankful for the feedback. Um, you know, yeah, that's not something you ever generally get is feedback. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I mean, it'd be great to get that feedback. So, you know, 
like, hey, I prepped, you know, what did I do wrong? Like, how could, what could I have done better? So, um, yeah, if you had a, a bad interview uh, for yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had, I've had some doozies. Oh. Yeah. I, um, well, I came out of school and I didn't, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do with this degree. You know, I, I, I said it before and I'll say it to anybody who will listen. A degree doesn't say that you have been trained. It says that you are trainable. And I was certainly, and still am, uh, very trainable, but I was definitely not trained. Um, so I managed to get, uh, and now a little context, um, I, it took me a long time to get my first job. So at this point I was doing drywall. So <laughs> I, I managed to get a, uh, an interview with a, a defense contractor, uh, uh, a friend of a neighbor, um, did me a solid, got me, got me in there. Um, I was unprepared and I also did not know what kind of job I wanted. So my tip number one, know what, you know, what, know what you're there for. If you are, you know, if you are the best, uh, front end developer in the world, go to an interview for front end developers. Like don't, don't show up like I did, um, you know, interested in getting a programming job, you know, know, know what your strengths are, know what you're interested in and, um, don't do like I did. I showed up and I was just like, just glassy eyed and happy to be there, like in my ill-fitting suit and my dad's tie, um, ready to, you know, take on this interview. So I go in and, um, you know, I sit through the HR for some reason they did the HR portion first, which I could have saved that lady 45 minutes if they would have flipped it. Um, cause she says, Oh, and next you're going to talk to uh, Steve or whatever his name was. Um, and you know, he really likes to peel the onion during his interviews. And I was like, the hell does that mean? So we go in, Steve comes in and, um, He's, he, he starts going down through my resume and, you know, at this point, my resume is like, you know, two and a half inches long because I just got out of college and my relevant experience is like summer internships. And he starts like, he's like, so what classes did you take in college? And I start going through them. And I, I remember this to this day. I was like, yeah. He says, what was your favorite? And I said, um, object oriented programming. He says, oh yeah object-oriented programming. What are the three principles of object-oriented programming? And I was like, <laughs> at, at this point, I'm wondering how I can gracefully get out of this room that he and I are currently locked in. So answer uh, the question, what are the three principles of object-oriented programming? Let's see if Chris has learned his lesson. Okay, polymorphism, inheritance, and encapsulation. Damn it. You know what? I <laughs> because I didn't know them in that interview, and the first thing I did was go home, open up one of my college textbooks that I didn't sell, and find the definition, and it's been in, tattooed onto my brain ever since. I personally don't like doing um, technical interviews like that because I don't think knowing definitions of things really tells me about your quality as a worker, but certainly be prepared. If it's on your resume, you gotta have an answer for it. You have to be able to, to, to substantiate everything that you've listed on there. That was my worst interview. It lasted two hours and it, um, it was just mostly suffering for the last hour. And that dude drilled into my soul and, and extracted some of it and took it home with him. Um, and I, <laughs> I remember it 20 years later. Well, I, I was reminded when you started talking about seeing other people, uh, I, I, an early interview I had while I was still in school, um, I can't say it was a bad interview. It's just a different format. Um, I, I, we use the term cattle call. So you may have done one of these as well. So yep. Uh, yep. One, one of the big government contractors flew me, my roommate, um, five or six other guys from our school. Um, and we met up at the Doubletree in D.C. 
and I think there's about 40 or 50 guys. In that big conference uh, hall downstairs? Uh, where was it? I, I Honestly, I don't, I don't remember. I just know there was like 40 or 50 people. Like I thought it was just me yeah. and my roommate and a couple of post interview trauma. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I hadn't expected any of this stuff. I just showed up with my resume and, and a suit and, um, you know, it was a day trip and showed up and there's like 50 guys. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're all interviewing for the same position. This is crazy. Nope. Turns out you just you met with like six or six or eight people and each one was in charge of their own group. And so that you basically did an interview separate standalone interview for every person um there they were not they 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 were unrelated but basically these guys were project managers uh for a specific government contract they couldn't tell you what the position was they couldn't tell you who the position was for they could just tell you they all they did was interview you as a person that was a a nuance to you know an interview that is i would I would call it atypical because that was the only time I'd ever done it. Um, and, but I mean, every, everything still applies, you know, you need to know what you're talking about. Everything like you made a good point, everything on your resume, you should know, um, you know, some key, some key factors when, you know, when I start hearing people, um, re respond to, you know, Hey, tell me about this job when they're like, Oh, well the team did this and the team did that. And, you know, those seem to be generic terms. Like what, what was your role on the team? What impact did you provide, um, for this project? You know, what, what touch points did you have? What decisions, um, positive or negative, what decisions were made based on your recommendations that were, you know, that, that were followed through on, you yeah. know, that that's the so kind of, if, if you have a resume, don't put, accomplishments of the team that you happen to be a part of i mean the honestly I, the whole resume thing is overhyped um if for as a as a as an employer i'm looking at your current experience list off your capabilities in the very beginning just put it up there not not everything that you ever touched yeah i you know i looked at a a raspberry pi seven seven years ago so i put that on there no just like the stuff that you work on or can uh you know have, have put like uh, you know six months of professional or uh dedicated time in on uh put that all up front list your current experience um for me if you list your your github handle and um and any projects that you've contributed to, put that above your current work experience, because um, I'll check that out. Like that, that will give me a window into your your capabilities far more than any question about the definition of what have you. Um, so I really copy like paste their... will get you in front of Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't. Um, I only want to see your relevant experience in the past two to four years. Um, so I don't need to see every job that you've ever had. I, I, I think in this industry, it's not uncommon for people to shift jobs every two to three years. I don't want to see eight jobs worth of, of information on your resume. Um, and then maybe I'll scan down to, you know, if you, if you, um, have higher education, I'll check that out or any certs that are at the bottom of the page, but I'm generally going to skip over all that meat that, that gets included in the middle. If your resume is more than two pages, figure out a way to chop that down. Um, and well, let me, let me jump in here real quick, just because yeah. we're talking resumes and you know, that's, that's, I would say that's tip number one would be, you know, get, get a good resume going. Um, you know, we're not gonna, you're not gonna find some, someplace, like that's your, that's your headshot. If you were, uh, if, if, you know, if you're trying to get into like the movie industry or something like that, I mean, that's, that's, we have no other impact or no other, uh, uh, interaction with you outside of that resume. So what, what can you put in the resume? Um, I think one of the things I had looked at is I need to be able to read it in 30 seconds. Like, tell me who you are in 30 seconds. Go. Um, 
So that's kind of and the formatting, eh, it's a thing. And some some people are hyper creative. Um, you know, I've seen um, I've seen resumes where where guys are um, you know professional um, Adobe you know professional design, uh, graphic design artists and things of that nature where like just visually seeing yeah. the resume i'm like whoa this is awesome like i'm gonna have to use this format for my next resume or something but i mean once you once it boils down i mean you really have about 30 seconds to kind of keep somebody interested you know like back of the book kind of like hey why am i going to read this book why why should i be interested in this person um so i mean that that would be tip number one is get your resume right and you know as as chris has been alluding to you know, know what you're talking about on your resume. If it's on there, you need to be able to speak to it uh, with yeah, I mean, a I fair amount of if, competency. If you're going to wow me, I would much rather see you wow me with your expertise. So yeah. if you're a professional web developer, why don't you have an own, your own web page? Yep. Stand, spend the time. You're a professional web developer. Spend the time developing your own web page, and that is now your resume. Like, yeah, exactly. That, that would knock my socks off. Um, I'm gonna, you know, if you say that you're contributing to open source and I see that, you know, you're, you're a, you know, you're making multiple commits, you know, dozens of commits a month on an open source project. I know you're, you know, I know you're pretty legit. I can, I can, I can see your online footprint real quickly and, and get a much better feel for who you are than like using all the business buzzwords around, um, you know, collaboration, synergy, and all, you know, like, come on, like, you know, I got a thesaurus too. I can, I can wordsmith with the best of them. Um, I'd much rather know, like, what are you working on? What do you like doing? You know, what kind of person are you? We're to the point now where, um, where we do a technical evaluation because that lets us know one what kind of um, what kind of personality are you you know we're gonna throw a challenge at you and um, we want to see are you dedicated enough to you know do you really want this job where you're gonna put the time in and do this thing and then we're gonna see you know are you gonna do it to the level that um, that we of quality that we expect from it so if we're saying you know build us a um, build us a web page in view and um and it needs to access um you know a, a back-end service that you wrote like i want to see you do that and then you know i want to see you you know i'll give you i'll give you enough days to do it i mean i'll give you like four days over the weekend or something like that it's not going to be something that that someone um who would be interviewing for the you know we're going to give you something appropriate to the interview or for the position that you're interviewing for but we can tell straight away like looking at the code what kind of developer you are i mean tim saw code yesterday from a from a programmer that he'd never <laughs> met before and he's like how many years has this guy worked and i'm like i don't know i'd say probably three to five he says yep based on what i'm seeing that sounds about right and it, you know that's the kind of you know we can tell a lot about um you know the the quality of a developer by uh what they turn in and then the fact that they, you know, do turn it in, you know, the, the, the level of care that they put into it. If you're going to, if we give you a technical evaluation like that, you know, really go for it. And I mean, like go the extra mile, write all the comments in the code, um, like write some tests. Cause guess what? Like, that's the first thing that I look for is, Oh, did you write any tests? No. Okay. Well, we'll have to teach you that, I guess. Um, you know, do do the extra nice touches that were optional or, you know, you thought might impress us. So you threw them, you, you know, you spent the extra time and put those in there. Um, even if, you know, gosh, you might just, you know, we might have one position open and just, you know, a, a rock star came through and just wowed us a little bit more. Now you have something for your portfolio. Link to it from your web page. Put your GitHub handle in your web page, and now this stands as something in your portfolio to show people. If you're a graphic designer, you're gonna show up with a with a portfolio of work to show prospective prospective um, 
clients and prospective employers, it's no different. It should be no different for software developers. You, you are an expert at developing thought product that may have, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's highly technical or has, um, you know, some, some visual flair to it, like show me. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to, to some of this, it, you know, you've got to some of what Chris is talking about, you've got, um, you know, established, uh, professionals, but you know, if you're, if you're new, um, you know, we've talked about that several other podcasts, you know, contributing to open source is a way, um, if your school projects, you know, if you can make that code available on, on GitHub, I, I'm going to speculate wildly that that's kind of one of the things that's going to come out of your, uh, academia is that you'll probably end up with a GitHub. I mean, it seems logical that, a school project would end up on GitHub that you share that out to your professors for grading like that. That seems, um, reasonable, um, test being able to write tests. That's, that's a big thing. I, I can tell you one interview I went on, they, um, I, I didn't know anything about tests, but they knew that up front. So what they did was they gave me, um, a technical assessment and said, Hey, here's, here's a prepackaged code. Um, uh, we want to write some tests and we want, to, I want you to fix, there's a couple bugs in it. I want you to fix them and prove that they're oh, fixed. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've got, I'm in a, and they gave me 48 hours, um, to get it all done. And I, I did it. That, that was the one interview where they're like, yep, technically he can do the job, but you know, he needs to be more assertive. He's got a like, bad attitude folks. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that. <laughs> I, I think as I reflect on that specific case, I think, um, you know, the, the vocabulary, I think the, um, there was a lack of understanding because the, the contract, the position I was in was a contract position and it had been, um, one that, um, had, had converted over to a, uh, uh, support only. So you could, you as a developer, you know, talking to the customer, you could see enhancements that needed to be done but because of the nature of the contract, you couldn't do it. And I think that's what the interviewer heard and said, oh, well, he's not able to impact change um, because he's not assertive enough. And it's like, uh, that's no, you don't, I don't think you understand the nature of government contracts. So, you know, I, that's, it's fine. Not it's here nor there. I, I don't have any ill will. It was feedback that, uh, you know, I appreciated, And, you know, I, it still sticks with me, you know, be more assertive. And that's one of those, that's one of those things. Um, what are your yeah. thoughts on um, these um, tests? These uh, these code. Um, you see them like top top hundred Java questions for your for your programming interview. You see any uh, of those? Uh, I mean, I I know I used to review those as a as a younger developer um, to make sure that I understood the three the three core mm -hmm. uh, aspects of object-oriented programming. Um, I know one that sticks in my head um, that I uh, made sure that I understood um, was uh, the difference between an abstract class and an interface. Um, that was one thing that uh, at the time ha I had struggled with. So an interface is, is just a, a framework um, that you need to provide an implementation for. Um, and an abstract class is kind of, uh, it's kind of both, uh, from a Java, from a Java land, you can implement an interface, but you can only extend a class. And so that, that helped me just visually understand, um, kind of what the difference, uh, would be. I mean, most of the stuff now that, that, that we do, um, interface is kind of the preferred mechanism because for testability and things of that nature, um, and if you know anything about testing, this will all make sense. If not, <laughs> time to start Googling. So yeah, I've seen I've seen those um, I've seen those pass through my my news feed a time or two. Um, I've I've been fooled by that once. Uh, I I interviewed a lady. Um, I you know shouldn't shouldn't even say a lady. I mean, you know that's that's immaterial. I, I interviewed a candidate who. Um, uh, she answered every technical question very slowly, but she answered them all like spot on. And I was, I was like, ah, she, 
like I it something about her demeanor just didn't feel right. I but the nature of the contract that I was interviewing people for there was a lot of push to get bodies on the contract. It was one of these government deals where it's like, you know, the, the contractor gets paid by the, the number of butts and seats, not necessarily the quality of the product. And I said, well, technically she's able to do what we're asking. She passed all these technical questions. I just don't know if, um, you know, she's going to be a good employee or not. And the, the manager at the time was like, sign her up, you know, give her an offer okay um it turned out that the she was coming through a um a headhunting agency and they had basically gotten feedback from other people they'd put through the process and had the answers to all the questions and they were feeding all their candidates oh. ahead of time the answers to the questions so she was just recalling what she had read and memorized and then was just putting it down on paper that's bogus um so don't be that guy. Yeah, I mean, and, and we quickly figured it out that um, that this employee was not going to work out. But um, you know, that's shame on shame on the 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 other party for 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 doing that kind of stuff. But you know, as employers, we also probably should have been doing a better job of interviewing our candidates using you know stuff that's i don't know i just i i kind of disagree with i don't mean to talk over you i just that to me it you know underscores one of the things we talked about up front is be you know be honest um you don't want to be in a position that we will find out very very rapidly that you don't know what the heck you're talking about it will become obvious very very quickly um so why would you want a job if you have to lie to get it and then you're going to get fired soon after that. Now you have, you know, a, you can't use this as a reference if you're smart. Sure. But I, I but, mean, I mean, that's I just, you just, that shaped just, my attitude around the technical assessment as well. It's like, I can, anybody can find the answers to the questions on the internet. I mean, we all have search engine. Um, you know, you can, you can go through and memorize, you know, you know, hundred, hundred best, you know, C sharp questions, hundred best, you know, like, you can retain that information long enough to get through a two hour interview or God forbid, I would hate to do a two hour interview. If I can't interview somebody in 30 minutes, like what am I doing? But that's neither here nor there. Um, but I think the technical assessment for my opinion is, is the far better way to, to truly figure out if a person can do what you're asking them to do on a daily basis. Yeah. So another thing I would, I would bring up is, is, um, is uh, come prepared to interview your interviewer um, and yeah, know sure. and know the and know the business every that you're interviewing for. Single every single interview ends with, "Do you have any questions for us?" Yeah, I promise you that'll be the last question. One more, just one more question, Tim. Yeah, do you have any questions for us? Yeah, and, I mean, uh, some of them can be. You can already have them set up that it yeah. doesn't have to necessarily be about have what we talked question, about. Though. Yes, yeah, like that. Don't just say not. Sounds good. Or make it salary based. <laughs> yeah. How much are you going to pay me? So how much? Uh, Probably how nothing. Much, yeah. <laughs> We're not there yet. Um, yeah. Uh, definitely have, you know, have a list of questions and it, you know, it, you know, how big are the teams? Yeah. Uh, where do I fit in with the team? How many developers are on a team? How long have you've been working on this project. What, you know, like what are some challenges that you guys run into? Here, my, my favorite question to ask up, is what are my, what are my your... expectations and how are you going to measure them? Perfect. What, because when, was you the last wanna... time, when was the last time you updated your, you know, the, the core software? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, what, what will be expected of me? How will my, my performance be evaluated? Yeah. Because you want to know how, how well you're doing, um, you know, on the task. So, right. Do you guys write tests? That would be a question. <laughs> how, much, how much do you have a development, a DevOps, um, a, dev, a DevOps setup? You know, have you automated your build process? You know, what kind of, um, what kind of hardware will I have access to? How many monitors will I get? 
tip for finding finding out how much they value developers how good is is the equipment you're going to be using because uh, we had some mac daddy laptops yeah. even though we couldn't take them anywhere which didn't make any sense but whatever i mean we had some really sweet for the time really good uh laptops um but my the, the next company was was similar to yours like i i two monitors less than two monitors you just can't do your work um in my opinion and uh, I, I don't know anybody that would disagree with that from a developer's perspective. So two monitor minimum. Um, I went I, to a, go ahead. I, I interviewed at a place and I said, I, you know, the job sounded great. I was like, oh, you know, some technology I'd never used before. I was interested in. I was like, yeah, man, this sounds really cool. It was in a really cool, um, really cool building, uh, working on some really cool stuff that not a lot of people get to see. So I was really excited about it. And I was like, they said, any other questions? I said, yeah, would it, would it be possible for you to, uh, let me see where I'd be working. And they're like, yeah, I guess we could take you down there. And I'm like, uh -oh. down there, we're already on the ground floor. They said, no, it's down in the basement. And I'm like, oh. So they walk me down to the basement, past the weight room, down this aisle of, of cubicles. And I kid you not, the cubicle walls probably extended out half the width of my chair. So if I leaned back my chair... I was now in the hallway. Oh, and I was like, thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, have a question. You know, yeah, th that's the kind of stuff. Yeah, what what kind of what kind of hardware are you going to give me? How many monitors am I get? Where am I going to be sitting? You know, show me where I'm sitting. Can I meet the team? Can I meet yep. the the people I'm going to be working with? Uh, in 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 my little neck of the woods here, I I either know developers on just about every big project around here or i know somebody that knows them and there are some that i if i said hey can i meet the team and i saw them i would probably look for another interview because i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to work with those people again <laughs> there's don't, a reason we don't work together anymore sometimes you'll get that sense right away i mean yeah. like you might you might have already you know had some experience with it. You, it, they might i don't know it could be anything you know you walk down the aisle and you're allergic to cats and you're next to a guy that has like 15 cats and reeks of dander, like, and your, 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 um, your allergies start kicking off. Like you don't want to have quit your existing job or have just landed your, what you think is your dream job, but then have to take a Benadryl every day to go to work. Like that's, that's not going to be good for anybody. And these are all things that you can, you can suss out, um, during the interview process. So don't think of the interview so much as like scary and intimidating because, for every bit that they are interviewing you, you are also interviewing them. And it is a, you have to remember at the end of the day, you are trading your time, part of your life for money, right? So they need you just as much as you need them. And is if you can keep that mindset that you are truly the commodity in this relationship, because there's a lot of money in the grander scheme of things. There's a lot of money out there. There's plenty of jobs, especially in this industry. Um, we are fortunate in that we have the ability to, to generally find work just about anywhere we go. And if, um, if we can't find work there, then it's either available remotely or we can move somewhere else where there is, is work. Um, so, you know, that we, we have selected a fortunate industry in that way. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, you are the commodity in the relationship. And if you approach the, the interview with that mentality that, okay, you know, this is a, this is a 50, 50 trade right here. Um, they're, they're just as invested in hiring me as I am for working for them. If you can find that place and meet in that middle, then probably a good fit but if it doesn't feel right and you know this is this is just a process you know do what you got to do you know make a living you know put 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 food on the table and all that but also you know remember that you have just as much at stake in this process as as uh the hiring company does and um uh, keep that, keep that mindset when you walk in the door and, um, and, and, and carry that with you and follow up for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> follow up. Like not, not within hours though. 
no, don't, <laughs> don't email me from the parking lot thanking me for that um, or call me, you know, um, you know, while, while I'm still in the interview room to, to thank me for, for having me, but follow up. Um, don't do what I did on the first job I got. I wrote a, a letter to, um, Aww. I did. I said, thank you for interviewing me. You know, I appreciate it. if you have any further questions, here's my contact information. I interviewed with two people, a man and a woman. Did you fit it with a little, uh, silicone no, clone? But or I copied and pasted and I forgot <laughs> to change the misses on the letter. <laughs> so it said, thank you, Mrs. Giannini, for interviewing with me today. And uh, he kept that letter and showed it to me after I was hired <laughs> to remind me that that's, you know, you got to pay attention to detail. Attention to detail. If, yeah. you're in a, if you're interviewing for a job, like a software job, where it's all about attention to detail, you know, Pay attention to the details. <laughs> yes, Miss Reddick. <laughs> That's all I got for today. This has been the For Love of Code podcast broadcast. Uh, you can find us at forloveofcode.com. That's F-O-R, loveofcode.com. We've got all the links to our social. We've got all the links to all the beautiful places where you consume your content. Please reach out to us. Uh, jump in the conversation. Add some commentary. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, suggestions for how we can do a little bit better. We're trying, folks. Thanks for bearing with us. But uh, we're figuring out the race course as we're running down the concourse. So thanks for hanging in there. Um, be kind to each other. Get to work. See ya.